Amen. Thank you. Again, glad you are here. Glad you made the effort to join us today. Every single week, I want to encourage you. Invite somebody to join you. Think about who you can get to join you. Want to see our men's lunch uh, continue to grow. I, I believe it's a very important ministry of our church to say this is what God has said it looks like to be a man uh, living as a biblical follower of Jesus Christ. So again, the, the easiest thing you can do, just grab somebody, text somebody, call somebody, and, and invite them to join you every single Thursday. We're going we're gonna to get started this morning. Uh, let, me, let me tell you, one of the worst things for me is not knowing something. One of the worst things for me is, is to not know something. If, if something is going on, if something has happened, if something is getting ready to happen, uh, I want to know what it is. I want to know that, that thing. Not knowing drives me crazy. Uh, not knowing something keeps me up at night. Not knowing uh, my brain starts to go to crazy places and I start to think the worst of everything. Uh, if there's something, I want to know it. Not knowing drives me crazy. Now, I know people, maybe you do too, uh, maybe, maybe I'm talking about you, that they're the opposite of that. And you watch them and they go through life and they're kind of like, well, whatever. Uh, well, who cares what happens? And, and say la vie, whatever will be, will be. And, and they're just kind of loose-ended. And that's, that's how they go through life. Not me. I want certainty. Uh, I want information. I want facts. I want to know. And so, again, not knowing something uh, absolutely drives me crazy. I remember... Uh, my dad, a couple years ago, he, he had cancer and he'd gone through a couple rounds of, of chemo, some pretty intense stuff. He went through a, a stem cell transplant, uh, which was really the course of a year. He goes through a bunch of in chemo and then, and then has the stem cell transplant. And then they told him, you've gone into remission. Now they, they come back and they run all the tests and they say, not, not one cancer cell. Can't find one cancer cell. You've gone into remission. The, the treatment had worked. Uh, for two and a half years after that, he, he feels good. Uh, he goes back to work. He gains his weight back. He feels pretty good, and he's working. Uh, and he goes in. He has these monthly checkups. But for two and a half years, there's no cancer. We get another report. Not one cancer cell. He, he go back and feel pretty good about it. He goes in one month about, again, two and a half years later, and he has his, his, his blood tests and all the tests. Uh, it's at the doctor in Wichita Falls. That was on a Thursday, and on Friday, uh, he was at home, he gets home, and, and Friday afternoon, I remember we, we'd stopped by to eat lunch at his house, uh, the doctor's office called, and it was the nurse on the phone, and, and she said, your test results are in, but the doctor needs to tell you the results. Uh, that's, that kind of makes you nervous right there. The test results are in, but the doctor needs to tell you. Well, he said, well, okay, and she said, he's off this afternoon, and so... He'll call you the first of next week. In fact, uh, Monday is a holiday, and so he's going to call you on Tuesday. And so she said, I just want to let you know the test results are in. The doctor's going to need to tell you, but he's going to tell you sometime Tuesday. And she said this, but don't worry, just whatever you do, do not leave town. <laughs> true story. That is a true story. He hung up the phone, and I'm like, why in the heck would you call? Just call Tuesday. Don't, don't call. Call Tuesday. Or, or why would you call and say that? Just have the nurse tell him what the results are. For, I can remember for Saturday and Sunday and, and Monday, a great holiday. Uh, you're just about to die. That's murder. Whatever you do, don't leave town. Well, he calls on Monday, and his, his cancer had shown back up. Listen, that's, that's the way I am with, with all things. I want to know. 
I want certainty. And not knowing is worse, is worse than knowing the truth and being able to deal with it. Question is this, and it's, 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 we move through our verses. First off is this, can you know that you're saved? Can you know that you're saved? And then the second thing, and he's really talking to believers here, is this. If you're saved, can you know that how you're living is pleasing God? Can you know that how you're living is pleasing to God? Not guess. Well, I guess it is. Not, not uh, I think it is. Well, I think it is. Can you know as a follower of Jesus Christ that, that how you're living is actually pleasing to God? Can you have certainty in that? Well, here's, here's the truth of today, and the truth is this. We can know. You, you can know. In fact, the truth is God wants you to know. In fact, to not know is actually a dangerous thing. Satan likes doubt. Satan likes confusion. Satan likes second guessing. God loves the truth. And so the the truth of today is this. You can know and we can know. And in our verse by verse study, we're going to see part of how that makes sense. So the, the truth is this. You can have certainty in your salvation. You can have certainty that your life, that you're living as a believer is pleasing, is honoring God. Again, we're going verse by verse. We're going to continue through 1 John every week. If you have your Bible, bring your Bible. We'll, we'll, we'll follow along together. I'm going to read all of these verses. There's just three of them today, and then we'll go back and look at what they're saying. 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21 says this, we will know by this that we are of the truth and we'll assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now listen again, that's a little bit complicated. We will know by this that we are of the truth and we'll assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now let's look at that and we're gonna break it down. First, verse 19 starts off and it says this. We will know by this. We will know by this. Now what what is the this? Well, the this is actually talking about the things he's just talked about, the, the preceding verses. We will know by this. And if you go back and look at the preceding verses, we will know by the fact that we love righteousness. That's what it's talking about in those, uh, those verses above, that you love righteousness. We will know by the fact that we hate sin. Sin bothers us. We, we, can't, we can't live in sin. That's one of the ways we're going to know. You love righteousness. You also hate sin. Another way you'll know is you'll know that you love one another as Christians. And that's what that, the, the immediate preceding verses are. Um, it's not normal to love one another. We're selfish. But, but the change that happens when we put our faith in Christ, you will know there's been a change in how you love one another. Also, we will love, and it's in verse 18 just above this, we will know because it's not just words, but it's actually follow through. You see, following Christ changes us. There's a lot of people that talk. 
And there's a lot of people that talk big. Uh, This is talking about an actual change, not just in your words, yes, in your words, but also in your deeds. And so he says, we're going to know by the fact that you, you love righteousness, you hate sin. It shows up in how you love your Christian brother, and it's not just words, but it's also in deeds. So he says, we will know by this that we are of the truth. And it's talking about what we've talked about for several weeks the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What it means is this, if you are of the truth, you're saved. You've put your faith in Jesus Christ. So he says, we will know we're of the truth, we'll know we're saved by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's evident in those things. By these things, you will know that you're of the truth, that you have a relationship with Christ. And then it says this, and we'll assure our hearts before him. This is an interesting part of the verse. And we'll assure our hearts before him. The word assure means confirm in the original language. It means to have confidence, or it actually means this, to cause to rest. An interesting version I found meant to to kind of lull to sleep, uh, to cause to rest. Now, think about this for just a second. To stand before God has to be a terrifying thing. I believe there is a God. I believe he is powerful. I believe he's the creator of all things. I believe he is mighty. I believe he is holy. I believe there is a God. To stand before God has to be a terrifying thing. Isaiah fell on the ground. John fell on the ground. This verse says this, because we know of the gospel, because we are of the truth, we cannot be anxious before God but we can rest. That's a pretty awesome thing. You know what? I I will stand before God, and not because of me, not because of my deeds, but because of of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that's given me, I can stand there and not panic. I'm sure it's going to be an intimidating year with the creator God, but you know what? I can rest in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's settled in Christ, not in me. Let me me read verse 20 next. I'm going to read 19 again. We will know by this, those preceding things, that we are of the truth, that we're saved, and will assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 21 again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now follow with me right here. All people are made in the image of God. Bible tells us that. We are, we are made in the image of God. Sin mars us. Sin messes that up. But we are made in the image of God. Part of being made in the image of God is we have a built-in sense of what is right and wrong. Now, the book of Romans says that. There's a, there's a built-in sense of a, in us of what is right and wrong. Now, I'll just tell you, I, I think all people in all cultures at all times have this built-in sense of what is right and wrong. Watch, watch, a, watch a three-year-old or a four-year-old, and, and you think, well, they're just playing around. They know what is right. They know what is wrong, and they know, you know what, don't, don't go over here and get into this. Don't go stick that deal in the light socket. And you watch them. What do they do? They take two steps over. Three years old, and they take another step over. And then they hold the deal that they're going to stick in it. They look at you with the deal. 
There is something inside them, something built inside of them that knows that is wrong, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. A four-year-old, a three-year-old, as an older person, maybe you're, maybe you're in your teens, maybe you're in your 20s, you know you shouldn't do something, but you ease over to it, just like the dumb little three-year-old. And you hold the thing that you got that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna provoke it. There is this right and wrong that's built into us because we're built in the image of God. We call it a conscience. When we do those things, that's what it's talking about, we know we are of the truth. When we love righteousness, when we hate sin, when we love our Christian brothers, when we actually live it out, when we do those things, when we are of the truth, our hearts, says this, here's what it's talking about, do not condemn us. Now, what that means is this. As Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, our hearts desire to know God. And I'll just tell you, that's the truth. As a, as a true Christian, your heart desires to know God. You want to know what he's like. You want to know his character. You want to know his nature. Your heart longs to know God. Your heart longs to hear from God. Man, if he, would, if he would speak, I would love to hear from God. Your heart desires to hear from God. And I'll just tell you this, as a believer, part of the change when you put your faith in Christ, our new nature desires to obey Christ. You, you, wanna, you wanna obey Jesus Christ. I wanna know God. I wanna hear from him. I want to obey Christ. Now, I, I see that all the time. Watch a person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, man, they can't get enough. They want to be where the Bible's preached. And they, they want to talk about, well, I was reading this verse and it says this. And, I want, and they want to see what that verse means. That is in us as followers of Christ. Let me tell you, nobody has to force that in a follower of Jesus Christ. Nobody has to send you a postcard to remind you that that's your desire. No one has to make it look better than something else. Isn't that what the church has become? A bunch of, of babysitters that go, we'll have meatloaf and it'll look good and be better than something else. We'll do this and you know what? We'll have this and our music will be better and our drums will be louder and, and blah, blah, blah. And we'll give out candy and your kids will get free balloons when they leave and it'll look better than something else. Listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, your heart automatically longs to know God, longs to hear from God and wants to be walking in obedience from God. And when we do, here's what the verses are saying, our hearts confirm it. And what that means is this. There is a joy in obeying God. There is a joy. There is a satisfaction in walking with God. God says, you know what, this is the best thing for your life in his word. God directs you through his word. And when you do that, I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are. When you know you're doing what God has said, when you know you're walking in obedience, your heart swells up with joy. That's the right thing. That's a good thing. There is satisfaction in living in obedience. Now, what that means is this. Your heart confirms it. Your heart confirms it. You're obedient. Your heart has joy. There is confirmation in your conscience, in your heart. You know you're doing what is right. Now, the flip side of that is this. You disobey. You decide to do your own thing. You decide you're going to walk in disobedience or maybe just flat-out rebellion, and your heart condemns you. And that's what the, verse 21 is saying. Your heart condemns you. Let me tell you, no, nobody has to come 
and tell you that you're doing the wrong thing. Nobody has to come and, and bring the rule book and slap it down and say, let me line out the rules for me. Your heart condemns you. Your heart tells you, you know what? This isn't right. Your heart, your heart makes you sick in your stomach. You ever, you ever just enter into sin and you're just sick about it? I knew that wasn't right. You can't sleep at night. Oh, I can't get this out of my head. You, you feel it. Your heart is condemning you that you've gone the opposite direction and you're living in disobedience to God. Now, that's the truth. You know what? Your heart confirms you when you walk in obedience. You know what? That's a good thing. I feel that. Your, your heart also condemns you when you walk in disobedience. That's what the verse is saying. And really, it's this. And Here's the picture that we're going to finish with. It is a gauge of your conscience. It is a gauge of your heart. How can you know that you're saved? And he's told us some, some straight out ways we can know. How can you know you're saved? You know you're saved when your heart's desires to know God. You see, a lost person doesn't care. You know you're saved when, you're, when your desires to hear from God and not just when everything crashes down. You're, you know you're saved when you want to obey God. You know what? I don't, I don't want to walk in disobedience. That's how you know you're saved. How do you know you're living a life that is pleasing to God? Your heart also confirms it. How do you know you're, you're living a life that doesn't please God? Your heart also condemns it. Now, let me just tell you this. Here's the danger. You have this gauge... And it shows you what's going on. As a believer, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, saved by faith in Jesus Christ, you have this conscience, this, this gauge, and it shows you what's going on. It tells you you're walking in obedience. It tells you this can't ever stand. You're living in sin. The gauge tells you what's going on. Here's the danger that you would break the gauge or that you would alter the gauge. You ever have a temperature gauge in something and sometimes it's in a tractor or a car or something and you know it doesn't work? You know it, this thing hasn't worked since 1988. Um, and it always shows we're running about 210. But you know it's running hot. Smoke's coming out the side. Everything's falling apart. It's knocking and banging. But the gauge says it's fine. And you know what? I'm going to try to believe the gauge. You know what? The gauge is fooling you. The gauge can be altered. The gauge can be broken. One of the dangers for us as believers is, you know what? Uh, we have a messed up gauge. We have an altered gauge. If I'm pleasing God or if I'm dishonoring God, I want to know. It's what I started with. You know, I, I would rather know. I want to know. If I'm pleasing God, I want to know that. If I'm dishonoring God, if I'm walking in disobedience, I want to know that as well. And I want to be quick to know it. I, I don't want to wait four days to know it. If I'm dishonoring God, I want to know it in the minute that I'm dishonoring God. And then I want to adjust quickly and I want to set my eyes back and I want to get on the right path. I want to know. To not know would drive me crazy. So... You need the gauge to work. You need your conscience to line up. Here's two things that happen. Here's two things, two potential outcomes. First is this. You fool the gauge by participating in sin and by growing in your acceptance of sin. You know what? I want to know quickly, and I want to know, and I want to turn and get things right. You can fool the gauge by your participation in sin or your growing acceptance of sin. And what that means is this. When you do something 
and you know it's a sin and the flags go up and the gauge goes off and the, the siren starts to beep at you, the warning goes off, but you decide to overlook it. You decide to ignore it and you persist in that sin. You start to move the needle. Really, you start to twist the gauge. The needle's still pointing over here, but now the gauge is twisted. And you know what? I, oh, I did it, and I knew it was wrong, but you know what? I didn't care. I did it anyway, and it starts to twist a little bit. You know what? And I keep on doing it, and I deserve it, and I've earned it, and I can excuse it, and I can talk it away, but you know what? I keep on it, and the gauge begins to twist, and the gauge begins to twist, and all of a sudden, the gauge looks like it's right, but the needle's somewhere over here. The gauge recalibrates. We keep on in our sin and the gauge recalibrates. And we begin to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Look at the culture we're in. It's a sure lot better than those folks over there. And the gauge begins to recalibrate. And we start to listen to different music and, and watch TV. And then our language starts to change. And we just start to recalibrate. The gauge is over here. But you know what? We keep recalibrating. And there will be a day, listen, when you walk flat into sin and the gauge doesn't go off. And you walk into sin that's going to wreck your home, is going to wreck your marriage, is going to wreck your business, is going to wreck your, your, your reputation in your life. And you wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm headed into that sin and the gauge never goes off. It's been recalibrated. That's the danger. You need to know. You need the alarm to go off. So that's one thing. You can fool the gauge well, the second thing you can do is this. You can fix the gauge. You can fix the gauge. Now listen, here's the, here's the truth. It's not very hard. You can fix the gauge by the word of God. I don't need to tell you 10 steps to fix your gauge. It's the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God inside of us convicts us. The Holy Spirit of God inside of us leads us, but it is according to the word of God. Listen, it is always according to the standard of the word of God. This is the word of God. It is our standard for followers of Jesus Christ. Well, the culture has moved this way. Listen, we haven't moved. The word of God says this. Well, it's, it's politically correct and acceptable to go this way. Listen, the word of God hasn't moved. The standard is fixed. What that means is this. We have to read the word of God to get our gauge set. We have to study the word of God to get our gauge set. We have to hear, just like this message, the word of God in order to get our gauge fixed. And then our gauge is running true hot with what God has said in his word. And yes, listen, we sin. I sin, you sin. But when we sin, the alarm goes off. You know what? That can't stand. That thought, that, that attitude, that language, that can't stand because the gauge is lined up with what the Word of God has said. It means this. We have to stay in the Word of God. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to continue staying with the Word of God. I want to know. I don't want to be blind. I don't want to be dumb. I need to know. Listen to this. I want to know before the gauge goes off. I want to know before the situation gets there. I want to be walking in a direction and the whistles start going off. Don't go that direction before I ever get there. What does the Bible say? Thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. Let me tell you something. It's, it's pretty, it just is what it is. You know how I can tell when people start to drift? 
It's when they start to stay away from the church. You know what? I don't need to hear sermons anymore. I, I, I might hear them when I can, but they start to stay away from their Bible study. You know, we have a Bible study and whatever time it is, whenever it is, you know what, I've got things and something came up and I'm going to have to miss that and I'm going to miss two and then summer we're going to the lake and we start to miss that and they start to fade away when they used to come and say, what is a synagogue? I had a guy come and say, what is a synagogue? Is what he said. What is a synagogue? When they stopped talking about verses, when they stopped talking about, well, what does God mean when he says that? When they drift away from the word of God, their gauge is shifting and you watch, it will not be long before they're either going to have to readjust back to the Word of God or they're going to crash and burn because the gauge is messed up. John says, you know what? You can know. You can have the confirmation. You can have certainty. Listen to this. This is what we're talking about as men here in our men's lunch. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to be in the Word of God. We have to read it, memorize it, study it, be where it's preached, be where we're at our homes looking at it. We have to be in the Word of God. That's going to shape us that our needle is facing the true standard that God has set. How do I handle my finances according to the Word of God? How do I treat my wife according to the Word of God? How are we going to raise kids? I'm going to tell you the last few weeks, the onslaught of garbage on our kids. The instruction of our, of our world doesn't even tell them what gender they are. How are we going to raise kids? The Word of God. How is a grown man going to stand up and be a grown man? It's going to be according to the Word of God. Simple as that. John says you can know the standard is the Word of God. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. During Father, we come. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that you forgive us right now. As messed up as I am, you forgive us. As messed up as we are, you forgive us. You love us. Your love for us is not built on our performance, not built on a checklist. You love us, and you save us through Christ. Not of any work of our own, but you save us through Christ. I pray that that would so impress us, that we would want to know you, that we would want to hear from you, that we would want to obey you. I pray that that's a growing thing. I, I pray as we run into each other that we encourage that. And I pray that the standard of God's Word would instruct us as men who seek to walk as followers of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. Forgive us where we've messed up. Draw a line today, Lord. Help us to turn and go this way. Forgive us where we've messed up, but help us to walk according to the standard of your word. I pray for these men. Bless them. Use them. Lead them. Encourage them. Let them stand for the glory of our Savior, Jesus. We love you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.